Shabbat Shalom. While we're still getting to know each other, I'm going to backstage a second. Sometimes we might start a sermon in the sort of midrashic style, which is something you don't think could relate to the Torah in a million years, but just wait, it will. Okay. All right, in 1890, the whaling ship Essex, don't worry, we're getting to the Torah. In 1890, the whaling ship Essex was struck repeatedly by a whale and sunk. This would later become the kernel of the story that Melville would turn into Moby Dick. But for our purposes right now, we're talking about the poor sailors who had been out in the whaling boats and so survived the shipwreck, but are now three boats farther away from shore than any sailor up to that point who'd ever returned to tell the tale. And the three boats are discussing their options. Now they're somewhere in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And one says, well, the closest island to us is about a thousand miles away. And it's, it's what will now be known as Tahiti. That's the island that we could get to. It's the closest. So they say, great, let's go there. But says another sailor, I've heard the inhabitants are vicious, vicious cannibals. And another says, well, we could go to, I'm not gonna remember the names of all the islands, but different islands that are about 3000 miles away, but there's storms. We know there are going to be storms in between us and those islands. And so finally the captain says, well, we do have one last option. We can go straight down about five to 10,000 miles till we hit winds, which will hopefully push us to the shores of South America. It's the farthest by far, but we know that it will be the thing that will probably get us there. So what do you think the sailors decide? They take the long way, so afraid of the rumors of the viciousness of the inhabitants of this island that they take this 15,000 mile nautical journey, many of them don't make it in order to get there. Because the driving force of the decision that they made wasn't charts and it wasn't how much food they had and it wasn't what they knew or what they didn't, it was fear. The fear of what they did not know was what pushed them to take this reckless and unsafe path. Fear is the driving factor in the story of Balak as well. I told you we'd get there. Balak, we're told at the beginning of the Parsha, the reason why he calls on Balaam to do this curse is it says he had seen what Israel had already done and he was afraid. And our traditional commentaries on this verse try to decide, well, what was it that Balak had seen that made him so afraid? So Rashi says that what he saw was what had happened to the kings of, to Sihon and to Og, right? That they had been killed and they were the kings of the other nations Israel had tried to come through. And so he was worried and afraid for himself as the king of this nation. Rashi's grandson, Rashbam, says, Grandpa, I think you're a little wrong. It's not that he's worried for himself. It's that he sees this great and populous nation that has brought down 
pharaohs and kings along its way. And he's just worried about the logistics of how he's going to get this some 603,000, however many people, through his territory safely. And another commentary, Ramban, actually changes it a little and says that what Balak is afraid of, what Balak really is, is somewhat jealous. Israel has done these amazing things. Their success has been broadcast through the ancient world through miracles and plagues, and their growth, their growth is tremendous. And so what Balak is afraid is that he doesn't measure up and that his people won't measure up to the glory of the Israelites. So all three of these comments are slightly different, but they're all about fear. Balak is afraid for himself personally, or he's afraid for his people, or he's afraid that his people don't measure up. And where does Balak's fear take him? It takes him to the Parsha that we read with this almost frenetic energy of running around from mountain to mountain to mountain, trying to curse the people recklessly. And also, of course, we know ineffectively. Because Balak's fear takes him to a place of negativity, of being negative towards that which makes him afraid. Instead of saying, I'm afraid for myself, what can I do to protect myself? Or I'm afraid for my people, how can we work together? Or I'm afraid that we're not going, we're going to be eclipsed and overshadowed by the greatness of our new neighbors. How can I build a great people as well? He says, no, I need to just curse them. We need to conquer them. We need to get rid of them. And in this, I think, is actually the most relatable Balak is. Because we all feel fear. No one is immune. We feel fear for ourselves. We feel fear for our families, for our communities, for our nation. And we feel a fear that comes from worried that we won't live up to what we know we can be and do. And when we see this fear, it can move us in different directions. It can move us like Balak to a place of negativity, or it can move us perhaps to a place of service. The rabbis in the Gemara in uh, Masachet Sota ask if it is better to serve the Lord out of love or serve the Lord out of fear. And they debate back and forth whether it's better to serve the Lord out of love of God or serve the Lord out of fear of the, this, by the way, thousand, a thousand years before Machiavelli would pose the same question about leadership. And they agree, the best thing you can do is serve God out of love. That would be the ideal. But if you can't, if you're serving God out of fear, that's fine as well. Because serving God out of fear at least moves us to the service of the Lord. So what does it mean to be moved by fear into service? It might be about fear of punishment or fear of repercussion. It might be about fear of not doing enough, fear of not being enough. It might move us to try to do more and to serve God, and that's good. Fear can come for us in many different ways, but ultimately, ultimately, what we must do is decide to move forward with it. Now, if anyone has been in sort of community organizing circles, what's the first question you're supposed to ask when you have your one-to-one -one coffee? 
You see, what keeps you up at night? That's the way we're supposed to mobilize one another. What keeps you awake at night? Other than, you know, our children, I guess. But what keeps you up at night is supposed to teach you what your core values are. The thing you're the most afraid of is the thing that you care the most about. And that is another way that we can try to mobilize our fears into making ourselves and our society and our community better. Because what we're afraid of happening, what we're afraid might occur is the thing that we in fact care the most about or the thing that we think is the most relevant to us. And we saw, by the way, an antidote to this a few parshiot ago. When the 12 scouts go into the land and they scout, they come back and they say, it is a land filled with giants and we were all like grasshoppers and there's no way that we could conquer it. All 12 of them come back with the same report. The two, Yoshua and Kalev, the two that are known as the good ones, right? It's not that they didn't see what was so scary. They say the exact same thing about the land. What was the difference? They say, but we can do it. They are just as afraid as everyone else, but they say God will be on our side and we can do this. And so too with us friends, as we go out into the world and we see things in this world, surely as there are that make us afraid. They make us afraid for ourselves personally. They might make us afraid for our families, for our communities, for organizations. They might make us afraid that we're not going to live up to who we know that we are. To ignore the things that make us afraid is naive. To say, I see them. I see what makes me afraid and I can do something about it. God will be with us. Our friends will be with us. Our community will be with us. And we can, in fact, do something good. That's what it means to be a part of this people. And that's what it means to turn fear into something that is not negative, not immobilizing, but actually pushes us forward to make this world a better place. Shabbat Shalom.